The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Well, there have been rumblings in the press this week about technology companies coming together on an AI framework to protect the elections. Meta Global Affairs President Nick Clegg joins us now in an exclusive interview from the Munich Security Conference. Welcome, Nick. Good to see you. Good to see you. What can you tell us about about these reports that tech companies like Meta are going to get together to try to ensure election safety? Well, we're going to make an announcement in the next few hours, so I probably shouldn't spoil the surprise. But I don't think it's any secret that um, if we're going to try and make sure that the rash of elections that are happening around the world this year go off as smoothly as possible, you have the world's three largest democracies going to the polls this year, uh, India, Indonesia just this week, and of course the US uh, later in the year and many other elections besides, it's going to be essential that the big tech companies that either um, uh, build the tools which allow people to generate AI-generated content and or distribute that content on their platforms should work together as much as possible. Because, you know, this is a challenge, uh, preventing the use of uh, these new AI tools uh, to, to sort of deliberately deceive people in elections, which can only be dealt with collectively because of the way in which, of course, content sloshes around on the Internet from one uh, service to the next. And so, yeah, there's been a, a very concerted attempt uh, from a lot of the mm -hmm. significant players to, to work as collaboratively as possible together. Yeah, and I, and I understand the, I mean, the reports are that you're, gonna, you're going to label them as AI-generated. Why not just ban any AI-generated election content? I don't think playing whack-a-mole and trying to kind of, you know, sweep stuff under the carpet. I think experience suggests that that doesn't work. You always miss stuff. Uh, then, you know, you start taking down uh, and, and uh, removing things that, uh, you know, people feel are, are not as, uh, you know, are not so offensive that they should be removed. So I think most people in the industry believe that the, the greatest antidote to deliberate and nefarious deception is transparency. But you can only have transparency. In other words, you can only act either labelling or demoting or, if you, uh, in, in exceptional cases, removing uh, AI-generated content if it breaks the rules of the various platforms concerned, if you can identify it in the first place. And that's where a lot of engineering work and technical mm. work at the back end still needs to happen so that um, you know, AI-generated content produced on one tool will be identified as AI-generated when distributed on another platform. And that's the gap, if you like, that, that, um, that the companies are working together to try Try and close. Just how, just basically how to know whether it is AI generated? Because you know we we got this announcement from OpenAI overnight. We play it for Sora, their new product, where they're generating images and videos based on based on inputs and AI. We did a Dalmatian in Italy. It's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Well, that's why it needs to be what they call in the jargon watermarked. So, for instance, if you use uh, Meta's um, uh, image generation, AI image generation tool. It's called Slash Imagine. Um, and I don't know, you say, uh, you know, give me a picture of a, of a, of a 
man jumping from a cliff into a Red Sea, and you'll get a very, very realistic um, a photo. But what you'll get in the corner is a clear circular watermark so that anyone who looks at it can see that it's a synthetic piece of content, it's not human generated. And the challenge, which is why industry-wide cooperation is so important, is to make sure that that best practice, if I can put it like that, of visible mm. and what they call invisible watermarking, is spread across uh, the whole industry as far and wide as possible. But shouldn't the government, I mean, we're working, the government's been trying to figure out how to regulate AI. It does strike me that this is an issue, disinformation, misinformation, interference with the election that the government should be taking on. Are you working with the government as well, or this is just something that has to come from the private sector because they're not there yet? So I think, I think the thing about this whole issue is it's easy enough to say, oh, you know, label everything, oh, watermark everything. It's actually much harder in practice. And you're right, the governments, of course, play a role in setting the guardrails, the parameters in which the industry uh, should uh, operate. And the, the, the US government's executive order already includes provisions about the need to invisibly and visibly watermark AI generated content. The, the EU's AI Act similarly includes provisions on uh, user transparency, labelling and so on. The trick is how to actually do it in practice. And I'll give you a very concrete example. At the moment, the technology is relatively mature such that there, can be, that there are shared or interoperable standards which you can apply to image, to, you know, to photos, to synthetic AI generated imagery but it's not as developed for audio or video content, which is much harder, particularly if you are in Facebook and Instagram's a case, if you're importing it from other um, companies' uh, AI generation tools, it's much harder to tell at the moment because of the state of the current technology. That's why you need engineers, um, a technical expertise and researchers working together to put their heads together to come up with the best interoperable standards so that we can apply the same standards of visibility to audio and video content as we can to synthetic still images. I, we will get there, I'm absolutely sure of that, but it's work that really needs to be accelerated mm -hmm. and I think the kind of announcement that is going to be made in Munich at the Munich Security Conference will help in, that, in, that, in meeting that objective. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. I mean, it's, it's pretty daunting when you think about how many images or videos or voices can be faked. I think there was already that that fake robocall using President Biden's voice to get New Hampshire voters to skip the primary that you guys had to deal with and whether you keep it up or label it. How many people do you have working on this issue and how do you know what's enough? So we have around 40,000 people working on kind of safety and integrity on our platforms. Generally, we spend a lot of money on it. We've spent oh, about 20 billion US dollars in recent years on, on things like, like election integrity, about five billion in the last year alone. But here's the interesting point. You know, even if we imply, employ double the number of content moderators that we have, actually, here's the irony, we're talking here about the risks of AI-generated content, but AI is also actually our most powerful tool 
to identify and deal with the kind of content we don't want to see on our platforms. So take hate speech, for instance, the prevalence of hate speech. In other words, the percentage of hate speech as a percentage of the total of content on Facebook is now down to about 0.01%. And that's been reduced by over 50% just in the last couple of years alone for one reason only, improvements in AI technology. So I, I, you know, I think it's important for your viewers to know that, yes, of course, there are issues and concerns about how this technology is going to be used for bad purposes. It's ironically also the same technology that helps um, you know, established uh, players from making sure that their, their policies are being properly respected and enforced. I mean, you, you, I don't know how long you've been there at the Munich Security Conference, Nick. I, I, I think it's interesting that companies like Meta and other big tech companies like Apple, I know, are there as well. Um, how, how, do you, how do you judge your role in the broader security environment right now? We're in two wars in this world. AI is obviously an increasing threat. There are concerns about defense spending and NATO relationships. I mean, as, as someone who's there from the private sector, from Meta, What's the role? What's your perception? I mean, you're right. It is, it's kind of striking, isn't it? I mean, I think the Munich Security Conference has been going on for 60 years, and it, it's the sort of setting that for decades was the place where people, particularly from the defense establishments, would talk about um, the Cold War. Um, and now you have people like me, you know, executives from, from social media companies um, um, here as well. And I think it shows how technology and geopolitics have become increasingly um, intertwined. My own view rem remains that, um, much like any great technological innovation, yes, there will be disruption. Sure, there are new challenges we need to meet. But in the long run, the benefits to better healthcare, better education, tackling climate change, raising you know, economic productivity and, and, and the wealth of nations through the use of AI is so considerable. We shouldn't lose sight of that. And, and, and in many ways, I think the, the AI race is not so much a technological race, it's a kind of economic race. It's, it's, it's a race between which economies will use AI most rapidly and smartly and, and deploying it in the workplace in a way which really kind of raises uh, prosperity for everybody. I, I really do think this technology has the potential to do that. How far ahead is the U.S. on that front? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. How far ahead is the United States on that front versus, say, China? Well, so, yeah, good, good, good question. I think the U.S. is way ahead in terms of the actual development of the technology. You've got these extraordinary world-beating um, tech companies, Meta, Microsoft, Google, etc., in on the West Coast in particular, who have the ability to invest vast amounts of money to build the uh, computing uh, power that is needed to drive these so-called large language uh, models like ChatGPT uh, and others. So I think in that sense, the U.S. really is leading the world. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the U.S. which is going to benefit from that technology most because, you know, for instance, Meta, we, we openly share our technology, even though we spend billions of our own money uh, uh, in developing it in the first place, we open source it in, in the jargon so mm -hmm. anyone around the world can use it so it's fully democratised. And actually, I think there might even come a difference over time between uh, places like California where the technology was invented and other places where the technology is, uh, is put to the best possible use. Nick Clegg, thank you for joining us um, with a taste of what, what you're doing thank there you. and, and the agreement, expecting that announcement soon. Nick Clegg is Meta's president of global affairs.
Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.